0: Hey, what's cracking? And welcome back to another episode of Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. I am your host, Darren McDuffie. Thank you for joining me tonight. I'm waiting on Amir Rosick to call in to start to talk about the sleep solution. But before Amir calls in, I'm going to make a, a couple of, of announcements. So first thing is, if you have not, please, please, please become a fan on Facebook. My uh, Facebook address is Facebook.com slash I'm the fat man. That's PH. That's how fat is spelled. Also connect with me on Twitter. The Twitter address is the fat underscore man. Um, and also you can connect with me on Google Plus. So on Google Plus uh, you can find me under Darren McDuffie. So please uh, connect with me on those. Second thing is for those of you out there who are listening to the show, you may not know that I do two shows. This is a live show. The other show is pre-recorded with a, a woman by the name of Diane Kaiser who's out in California. Diane is a functional diagnostic uh, nutritionist and we have the Wellness Warrior podcast. We just did a very, very interesting, uh, Interesting show with Adam Hurtado, who was one of the contestants on The Biggest Loser, was actually had me teary-eyed because Adam actually went through the same thing I did with his mom. So you probably want to check that show out as well. I've actually, I'm actually going to work on that show tomorrow, and then I'll have it up on the WellnessWarriorRadio.com so you can check that out as well. Got my blog on this week. I just put out a blog last night on Dark Chocolate Valentine's Day is coming up. If you uh, want to know the benefits of dark chocolate, over milk chocolate, over white chocolate, all those other chocolates out there, check my blog out on imthefatman.com, and please leave some comments on that. Other thing is the guests that are coming up. We have some very powerful shows that are coming up uh, pretty soon. Tonight's going to be a great one with Amir Rosick. I've heard Amir speak on several other podcasts. It's one of the reasons why I've actually invited him on this one. But uh, tonight is Amir Tomorrow night we rescheduled the show with Victoria Taylor on the uh, com, and she'll be coming on and talk about the kitchen, kitchen cooking organic and things of that nature. The next week we'll have Dr. Curtis Duncan. We're going to be talking about fibroids, endometriosis, and man boobs. So that should be a very, very interesting show. In March I'm going to have uh, Dr. Lynn Lafferty coming on and she'll be talking about the consciousness of disease. I'm waiting on confirmation to either have uh Jeffrey Smith, who's uh the guy who talks about genetically modified organisms, to come on, or either his assistant, Trish Sheldon, is going to come on and talk about uh genetically modified organisms. Uh what else? What else? Uh gluten-free baking, um a lot of stuff that's coming down the pipe. So please, please stay tuned and, and keep listening to Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. So Without further ado, I think this is a mirror. I see someone in the switchboard. I think this is a mirror and I'm going to see if it's him. A mirror. Is that you?
1: Hey, Darren. What's up? Yeah, it's me. Hey, man. Hey. Hey. What's up, dude? How you doing? I'm good, man. No complaints yourself.
0: I'm doing I'm doing awesome, man. Thank you for being on the show tonight.
1: Hey, my pleasure. Yeah. So I don't do a bio, Amir. I
0: just wanted you to share some things about you or kind of share your journey with the audience out there and tell them how you came to start studying holistic nutrition and how you got into functional diagnostic nutrition. Just kind of share your story with us.
1: Yeah, yeah. Great question. Um, I just recently came out with my true story, my real origins of why am I so passionate about health. And uh, I don't come from your typical background of being sick. Um mm-hmm traditionally being sick that is i was never overweight i was genetically gifted my father is 75 years old built like a brick house my mother used to be a former gymnast so that was never issue with me where i kind of come from is pretty much i was outlier in society i got kicked out of two high schools i walked on the different side of tracks criminal activity partying 24 7 i did pretty much anything i want to do ate whatever i want to ate and came to a point that for four or five years, I was in a deep depression state. I mean, I was drinking heavily three to four days a week, the amounts of drugs on the weekend, and every single day got worse and worse and worse. But one of my biggest problems was I enjoyed fighting too much. That was kind of my high. I actually really enjoyed the fact that I can go one-on-one with, some, with somebody, and everything else at that moment in my life did not matter. I pretty much you know blacked out. But that got me into trouble one night when... I was inebriated at a bar. Something happened with a couple of friends of mine. To cut the story short, I sent this guy to the hospital with, you know, a broken nose, broken skull, a very bad situation. And I went through the Supreme Court of Canada court cases. I haven't, I've been arrested before numerous times, but this was the first serious case of being arrested. Anyways, after two years of dealing with the Supreme Court of Canada, they ended up giving me half a year in jail. Hmm. So I'm, I'm there, sitting in jail, you know, doing my thing, and uh, kind of always you know, pointing fingers at people and saying, you know, why am I in here? I don't deserve to be in here with these losers kinda of dawned on me after like a month or so that <laughs> I was one of these losers and <laughs> yeah. I had kinda of like epiphany epiphany moment and I kinda of awakened and I swear to God there and I can vividly remember the time when I was staring at this dark abyss and I had that, you know, the crossroads moment where you either go left or right and it's up to you to make a decision. And that exact moment in my life, I decided to transform my life because I was looking back in hindsight and I kind of realized I was kind of lost in translation, you know. I wasn't really giving back to society, I was taking from society and this whole, you know, thing about, you know, doing criminal activities and kind of filling my body with alcohol and drugs, I was trying to fill a void, this gap, you know, but I didn't know what to fill it with. All I knew what to fill it with was what society was telling me to fill it with. And how I got into nutrition was, you know, when I got out of jail and, you know, I prayed to the universe or God, whatever you want to call it, you know, I'm with my current girlfriend. She's one of the light, the guiding lights in my life. She kind of helped me through all of this. And one of my boxing coaches at the time as well said, hey, Amir, you got to go to this workshop. That's how I kind of got into kettlebells and started competing professionally in that. But at this workshop, you know, I picked up a book from Art Devaney. It was, uh, it was called... Evolutionary Diet, the book, and kind of made like, you know, instinctive sense in my brain. You know, eat whole foods, stay away from, you know, wheat and dairy. I don't know, Darren, for some magical reason, it just made sense to me. And before that, I, I was eating McDonald's, Burger King, you name it. I didn't care what I was doing my body. So I started eating like that the very next day. It wasn't hard for me. I'm a very, you know, either do it this or I don't. There's no, oh, I need to slowly go into it. I just did it. And I kid you not. That dark cloud, this, this, this depression cloud, this thing that I was trying to fill my, my void, this gap, uh, this gap was gone in 30 days, transformed. I lost a little bit of weight. I had a, lot of, a little bit of face weight, but that was like, water, I lost that. But what's most important is my clarity. Everything before that, I viewed life in a negative way. It was like very dark, black. Anything I touched turned to black. Now my life transformed in 180 degree matter. Everything I viewed was positive. It was like light. So, you know, I was so astonished by the awesome powers and benefits of eating a whole foods diet that at that exact moment in my life, after 30 days, I devoted my life to health. I went back to the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition. As you mentioned, I did functional diagnostic nutrition. I did a bunch of functional medicine certs. I compete professionally in a couple of sports, and I pretty much right now travel around the world educating young adults on the possibilities of becoming the best optimal version of themselves. So that's kind of like a nutshell story of me.
0: Yeah, yeah, man. Kudos to you for turning it around. That's so amazing story. There's so many people out there who don't turn anything around. They remain in jail, remain in prison, and we have some genius people out there that are locked up and behind bars but i congratulate you for being able to turn all that stuff around you're pretty slick with the kettlebells too as well right
1: well i'm the i was a t- 2012 canadian champion i was competing professionally for two years and that at the moment doing a lot of traveling it's kind of hard considering not too many gyms have pro grade kettlebells mm-hmm. so yeah like any sport you have to dedicate at least like a couple hours a day so at the moment i'm training for the 2015s Maybe, maybe at the end of fall 2014, um, Provincial Powerlifting Championships in Canada. Cool,
0: cool. Yeah, I got a kettlebell sitting right here in the house, right in my office, and I've not touched that thing in so long. I need to touch it, but (laughs) (laughs) we're good, man. So let's let's get into sleep, man. And I I watched one of your YouTube videos, um, and you were at the whiteboard, and you made it, you broke it down pretty, pretty simple. And I wanted you to kind of break it down again for the audience because there's a lot of people out there i'm sure i have some people that are like you i think i have an fdn out there listening and a couple of fdns but for those people out there who don't understand all of the medical jar- jargon can you kind of break things down on what happens when you sunlight hits your eyes and how uh, the whole sleep cycle begins
1: yeah so the sleep cycle known as the circadian rhythm the 24-hour clock give or take inside your body is is simple you have Hormones that are controlled in a 24-hour clock. Now, your clock, your internal clock, runs on different mechanisms. You have the master clock, which is in your pineal gland, the supracasmatic nucleus. So that's like your master computer. That master computer sends signals to your organs, which also have circadian clocks in them. Then your organs send signals to your cell and vice versa. Your cells send signals to your organs and your organs back to your brain. Also, all that access is controlled is quite simple. Your environment controls who you are. It's not Mm -hmm. what you eat. It's not what you want to do. Your environment controls how tired you are or how active you are. And I give an example of this, Darren. Mm -hmm. If you're in a four-season climate such as I am here in British Columbia or anywhere north of the equator, you'll feel that you get tired in the wintertime, right? You've got low light levels. The sun is like setting at 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock some of these days, and it's pitch black, and it's usually gloomy, and you don't see the sun for a very long time. You feel depressed. You feel very tired. Okay, let's flip that. You're in the summer long daytime. You know, the sun is up till like 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock. You feel energetic. Why is that? It's simple. The sun is pure energy. You know, Einstein was talking about the quantum, packs from the photons you get from the sun. The sun is literally charging your cells, internally speaking. If anybody is familiar with comic books, you know Superman is one of the oldest, uh, you know, legends in comics, the whole idea of Superman getting charged from the sun, we're no different. We literally get charged from the sun. Now, the exposure to light during the day is what dictates how healthy of a level of circadian rhythms are you going to have in your body, right? So, when I keep on hearing people talk about oh you know you're going to take melatonin or you know you're going to take that in my sleep no that's rubbish your environment is 100 million times more important than any food or supplement that you're going to take to improve your sleep but what does that mean like people scratching you know what do you mean a mere environment i'm meaning it's quite simple even if the sun is blocked meaning it's overcast, for example, in Kelowna, Vancouver, it's overca- overcast a lot of times, you still get over 50,000 lux. That's just a degree of light. 50,000 mm-hmm. lux at noon. That is more than enough to actually recharge and rebalance your circadian clocks, your, your Rolex watches inside of your cells. But what's the problem today? Well, one, we don't really get outside much, even if it's cloudy or sunny. People do not spend enough time outside. That's the first thing. The second thing that controls the circadian rhythm is movement, actual movement, because there's certain sleep pressure proteins inside your brain that accumulate when you've moved around enough. So we have two huge problems today. We're not spending enough time outside, that's A, and B, we're not moving around enough. You know, the daily... North American, they may work a 9 to 5 job, they wake up in the morning, go to the breakfast table, have breakfast, go to the car or the subway, which is on the ground, and then go to work and sit down all day. Then from work, maybe they're lucky and they go outside for like 15, 20 minutes to grab lunch, if they're lucky, go back in, subway, car, back home. There hasn't even been a true moment of like even half an hour to enjoy outdoors. And that's the problem. Our modern-day living of this hibernation mode going from enclosure to enclosure is actually the most dangerous thing when it comes to misbalancing or disbalancing our circadian rhythms.
0: Hmm. Hmm. I agree with you there. I was actually listening to something a while back. I can't remember what it was, but um, they said that um, the, just having an LED clock in your room, you know, one of those little clocks with the red uh, lighting, yeah. that can affect your sleep. Um, How how true is that? Well, yeah, there's
1: a study. There's an old 19... uh, I think it was 1995 the study was done. They had participants Mm -hmm. in a black room, pitch black. Uh, The only thing that was exposed was a portion behind their kneecaps, so not the front, but the behind portion. Scientists pointed a laser beam, like a standard $20 laser beam you can get from Walmart. That one little dot, so imagine this one little red dot shining behind your knee. They took the blood from the participants. They measured the cortisol, so stress response. That one little laser dot was enough to stimulate it by a couple of points. One little dot. Can you now imagine what's happening with your overhead light at nighttime, your cell phone, your computer, your TV, right? It's a carcinogenic. Artificial light at nighttime is a poison to your biochemistry.
0: Yeah, yeah. We, we just got direct TV, and that thing is so bright, we have to cover it with... Um with a shirt or something like that at night just to make sure that we keep the room dark. And speaking of that, w- I mean, what are some strategies if, if, if a, they shine a light behind your knee and it affects, uh, you know, your hormones and cir- your circadian rhythm? What are some of the techniques or some things that you can do to make sure that you kind of turn your room into a sleep cave at night?
1: Well, what's most important is what you do before sleep, not during mm-hmm. sleep, right? We'll get to during sleep in a second. Okay your melatonin, which is your master hormone to make you go to bed, right? It's like, oh, there's time for you to go to sleep, right? That is slowly released during sunset, okay? Just take that into consideration. While the sun sets, your pineal gland emits small amounts throughout your bloodstream to start resetting the circadian clocks in your cell to go to bed. Now, this happens three to four hours before darkness, okay? That's very important. The question is, why is that melatonin being released from the pineal gland three to four hours before complete sunset? It's simple. Your, the rays of the sun, when they start slowly decreasing, so, you know, setting down, your body has that connection with the energy and the frequency of the sun. And you're through millions and millions of years of evolution, that's our pineal gland and our hormones glands secrete melatonin. So we have a negative feedback system. The problem today is, we're exposing ourselves to light too long. So sun sets, for example, winter time at five o'clock. we're bathing in this like fluorescent, you know Las Vegas light till 9 pm, popping three melatonins one hour before bed and expecting go to sleep. Doesn't work that way, I'm sorry to say. So the number one thing when coming to optimizing your sleep is simple. Two hours before bed. No lights. Like, there's no ifs or buts. I'm sorry. Like, you know, maybe I've got to be the bad guy, but I will. Like, <laughs> the more you expose yourself to light closer to bedtime, the worse off your sleep is and the quality of your sleep is. It's as simple as that. So, simple things you can do. Dim your lights, then. If you have a dimmer, dim your lights. Shut off your lights. Maybe have some candle. Uh, enjoy time with the family at that moment. Why do you have to be on electronics? Why do you have to be watching TV in an hour and a half or two hours before bed, right? If you have kids, read a book to your kids. Have fun with your kids. Maybe learn their interests, you know, become their best friends. If you don't have kids, maybe you have a partner. Why don't you draw yourself a nice hot bath with candles? Have some romantic time. Put some Epsom salts in the bath with maybe some, you know, scented candles and enjoy yourself, right? This is time to download and relax before going to bed. It's not a time to stimulate the mind with, you know, electronics and lights all around you. So that's the first tip, controlling your light. Mm -hmm. The second tip, as you mentioned before, is the dark room. So it's really, really important that your room is A, dark. So what does that entail? As we mentioned at the beginning of the interview, they're in red dots. So like small LED lights from like your TV, from your alarm clock, that affects your sleep. So cover that. Make sure no light is hitting your body. If your window is close to a street light, get some curtains, get some blinds. Okay, that's super, super important. Your room should always be like a bat cave. Always think nice and dark. The, The third thing that should be in your room that really helps your sleep is... The colder the environment, the deeper you sleep, okay? So if, you, if you're in the wintertime, there's no reason you should be blasting all your heat in your room. In fact, you can cover your vent, or if you want, you can crack a window. And it's been shown in studies, and that's why people actually sleep deeper in the wintertime, and that's why bears and other mammals hibernate. So when you lower your body temperature, you actually go to sleep much more efficiently. So those are simple tips, and I think those are the most important tips, and tips that people can control and do today that cost them nothing. It's free. It's the best type of tip. But the only way you can actually benefit from this tip is doing it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm going to throw a couple of uh, things at you and and, and let you and you can answer them as far as how they affect sleep. The first one is and I've heard so many things on coffee. I don't know what to believe. It's like coffee's bad, (laughs) coffee's good, coffee's bad, coffee's good. So let's just talk about caffeine. Does that affect sleep quality?
1: Yeah, for some people it does. Okay. So there's different like phenotypes when it comes from coughing. That's why I got a big beef there in the health world. I got a big problem with the world with the health world. Why? Because they view everything very black and white, you know? Either you're Mm A or you're B Well what about the rest of the alphabet? You know, there's A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? There's many different options out there. It's not just A or B. Okay? So that being said, each individual, each human being out there has a different response to the coffee. And let's first get this out of the way. When I mean coffee, I mean black coffee with no additives, unless, you know, some people put stevia. I'm just, for this conversation, I'm just talking about black coffee with no additives, organic, mm-hmm. fair trade, the bean is whole, so when you actually make the coffee, you grind the bean, and you're using reverse osmosis or spring water, okay? So that's what we're starting with. Now... Mm-hmm. If you're drinking that, there's different phenotypes. There are people who benefit from coffee, so their body will actually accept the caffeic acid or the chlorogenic acid within, within coffee to promote cellular health. That's very beneficial. Then there's the asymptomatic type of people who actually do not benefit from coffee, nor there's no negative health effects. So it's more or less like drinking water. And there's a subset of the C group of people that, honest to God, I don't care if it's organic, fair trade, black, whatever you want to call it, you should not be drinking coffee. Your biochemistry, your enzymes, your P4-5 pathways in the liver, they don't handle it. So by all means, please do not drink coffee. So to break it down, it all depends on which camp you're coming from.
0: Mm-hmm. How would you know if you are? I know for me, I'm very sensitive to other types of coffee. Only coffee I can drink that doesn't really give me an issue. As Like if I drink some coffees, it's like I can drink a ton of water and it always feels like I'm thirsty. But with the bulletproof coffee, I can drink that and I don't have a problem with it. But anything else, if I try to drink anything else outside of that, and I do do decaf, then I have problems with it. So how, you know, people out there listening, how would they know if they benefit or don't benefit or have some type of reaction to coffee other than uh, getting into uh, food sensitivity testing or something like that?
1: Yeah, food sensitivity is a, is a sticky subject. There's so many variables when it comes to that. But um, there's simple things you can do. Like, you, sh- you can be aware of your body symptoms. So a very common symptom is your heart rate picks up. Obviously, no matter what, when you have coffee, your heart rate will pick up. But if you notice it, like the actual heart beating, sweaty palms is a very classic one, brain fog, and slurred speech, and just like sweat, like just a really not really good sweat, almost like a nervous sweat, more or less. Coffee's not good for you, but I also want to state it's the amount that matters too, right? So, like, one cup to three cup, that's a big difference in caffeine, huge difference. You know, you're talking about like 100 milligrams comparing to 400 milligrams, right? So, for argument's sake, let's talk about just one cup, roughly from one to 200 milligrams. That's a good telltale sign. Another telltale sign that may you may be addicted from an adrenal point of view, meaning your adrenals need coffee to stimulate the cortisol response and insulin, is if you're on a schedule, meaning you have coffee every single morning, then exactly at the same time later on, for example, 1 p.m. usually people have, you have the second cup of coffee. And this happens day in, day out. That's a pattern of, not addiction, but your body is physiologically needing that. So a great way to test yourself is, well, simple, just stop. Stop for three, four days of not having coffee and see how you react. It's simple as that, right? The majority of North Americans why they drink coffee is for a boost. Like most people can't stand the taste of pure black coffee. They can't, you know? There's very rare people like myself who are connoisseurs. I love dark, bitter coffee. I grew up drinking Turkish coffee. That's what I like. I don't like creamers, I don't like, I don't like none of that stuff. I like the darkness, right? But very rare to find people like me. Most people add stuff into it. So the question is, are you drinking for coffee for the taste? Or are you drinking it to get a high off of it? And the high is stimulating your adrenal glands. Well, if that's the answer then you should be asking yourself, why are my adrenal glands poo-pooed in the first place and why do I need coffee to support them?
0: Yeah, for the audience out there, they may not even know what adrenal glands are. Can you kind of explain that to them?
1: Yeah, your adrenal glands are located beside your kidneys, behind your back, that actually secrete your stress hormone called cortisol. And cortisol controls your sleeping pattern. It controls how active you are you are during the day. So it controls your testosterone. It controls your estrogen. In fact, it pretty much controls everything. So if your adrenal glands aren't Putting out enough cortisol on a proper rhythm—that's when you have like fatigue or chronic fatigue, or you're just tired, or you have black circles underneath your eyes, and then you need, you know, three cups of coffee, you know, with with two creamers with three sugars just to keep, you know, alive to walk around. And everybody's suffering from this, this adrenal fatigue these days. You see it around everywhere. If you take public transit anywhere you are, you can see it. I call it, you know, the zombie apocalypse. People are literally <laughs> the Walking Dead today. I'm yeah, so. Yeah. It is no joke. Our society is really, really sick. you
0: mm-hmm. You're right. You're right. Um, so I'm going to. I, I'm not finished with that. We, we got coffee out of the way. I'm going to lump these two in the same because I know I have problems with it. If I eat something with sugar or chocolate near bedtime, I always have a problem going to sleep. And I know what it is, but the audience may not know. Can you kind of comment on those?
1: Yeah. So if you're having like chocolate, like coffee and chocolate, kind of work similar, kind of different though. So the coffee close to bedtime obviously you have caffeine. Caffeine uh, it stimulates ATP so ATP is your main energy so adenosine triphosphate so that's kind of like your coal for the furnace in your body. Uh, Also it stimulates your adrenal gland so when you spike cortisol too much too close to bedtime well that's a signal in your body that's still daytime so therefore you can't sleep. Now when you have chocolate too close to bedtime You may be having a small surge of insulin as well that will spike cortisol. So all of them go back to one thing. Whenever you spike cortisol too close to bedtime, so that's like three hours close to bedtime, you're pretty much telling your body, hey, it's still daytime. We need to pump out daytime hormones. There is no need for melatonin to be activated, so let's keep on going. And then you're laying in bed, wide open eyes, staring at the ceiling, wondering, why in the world can't I go to bed? Well, there you go, because you've been consuming foods or or drinks that may be stimulating your cortisol too close to bed.
0: Yeah, yeah. How about the last one is alcohol? How does I know some people think if I drink, I sleep better? Um, what are the effects yeah, of the alcohol episode, on, <laughs> on good? Yeah, on, on good sleep.
1: Alcohol left, right, and center is not good for sleep period. Uh, there are some studies showing that veratrol can help with LDL levels and antioxidants. That's one pro. Okay, let's weigh the cons First of all When you drink alcohol, yeah, it puts you in a dowsy state, but What they're actually doing is depleting your body of B vitamins and dehydrating your body as well Destroying your natural circadian rhythm and spiking your insulin. In fact, You may think you are sleeping deeper or better. In fact, you're not. So we have five stages of sleep. The fifth stage is the most important. That's REM, you know, random eye movement, you know, your REM sleep, out in the waves. Now we fluctuate from stage three to five, give or take every 20 minutes, in and out, in and out, in and out. Now when you drink alcohol or you're drunk and you fall asleep quote unquote out deeply, you're not getting that REM sleep at all. Then you wake up a little bit groggy because your brain is depleted of B vitamins. Your circadian rhythm is screwed up. and In reality, you're actually putting on more adipose tissue so that those are fat cells on your stomach. So by all means, I'm going to state this right now. Drinking alcohol at nighttime is one of the most unhealthiest things you can possibly do.
0: Yeah. So on the flip side of that, you said adipose tissue, which I'm, I, I know it's fat. So the best thing to do to burn fat or to get fat off of your body is to get an adequate amount of sleep. Is that what you're saying?
1: The number one thing possible, it's a, it's a missing piece in health today, is sleep. It uh-huh. controls your growth hormones. It controls how your cortisol responds. It controls your testosterone. It controls your glutathione, your master antioxidant in your body. It controls every single minute action within you without proper sleep so deep rested stage five sleep your body doesn't heal simple as that they actually had a brand new study not too long ago it's fascinating they're trying to figure out what is our circadian sleep pattern do to our brain so do you know what hormones are fluctuating in our body but they want to see really in depth what's happening in the brain and they were quite astonished by the results so pretty much what they found is when you have proper circadian rhythms and you're getting into REM sleep your body actually releases uh, cerebral spinal fluid into your brain and literally acts like a dishwasher and washes all the debris metabolic debris in your brain and flushes away just pause and think about that for a moment your body turns on its dishwasher at nighttime and cleans your brain right why is this important well think about this for a moment we have a huge rise in Parkinson's and multiple sclerosis, huge rise in neurological diseases in North America, we're not just from North America, worldwide. Why? Why? What's going on? Well, if you look at the trends from like 1940 till 2014 today, back then, the average sleeping pattern, and remember, they had less electronics, less light, they were sleeping roughly 10 hours. Today, 5.5, give or take. That's half. That's 50% difference, right? Right? So the more we're actually decreasing our sleep quality, the sicker we become. And I'm telling everyone out there listening right now, go to PubMed. It's a big, free, you know, scientific, the biggest in the world scientific uh, search engine. Type in night shift workers. They have one of the highest rates of cancers in the world. Any night shift worker, you know, from firefighter, my mom was a nurse, so nurses, doctors, and, you know, they should be getting uh, extra pay for what they're doing and they're service workers and they're saving millions of people's lives every single day but unfortunately because they're working the midnight grave shift from like midnight to 6 a.m. they're destroying their body unfortunately but it's, mm-hmm. it's crazy like it's absolutely insane
0: yeah many people I come from uh, I don't know whether you know my background I came from the pharmaceutical industry but many people don't know that's when all the mistakes are made when doctors are overworked they're tired nurses are overworked they're tired that's where a lot of medical errors happen because people are tired and overworked so I'm glad you touched on that. And just speaking of shift work, is there a way to combat that? I know some people out there they don't have a choice. They can't uh they can't go to the boss and say, "Hey, I want to be on first shift." They might have to they just got a job, they might be on second or third shift. Is there a way to kind of combat the effects of shift work? Yeah,
1: yeah, there is. You can you can mitigate the effects, but in reality it's really tough. But there is, there is. Uh it all depends on how much luxury and um how much your work environment lets you to do. So my number one tip is during nighttime you wear blue light blocker glasses. So they look like glasses like, for example, you too would wear. They're orange or they're red. You can get many different styles for many different sizes of head. And you pretty much wear this during your midnight shift, and it blocks the blue light. So the blue wavelength is shown to stimulate your... uh, stimulate your body, so increase cortisol, etc. You don't want that at night So that's a great tip, and they're quite affordable. They're like $80 to $100. Uh, you can just Google it, and you can find that. Second of all is not having any sugar at night time. So obviously, you're eating during that eight hours. Keep it low-carb, so have healthy, quality fats. Have, you know, you know ground- ground beef or liver or steak or bone broth or avocado, coconut oil, any of these quality fats will fuel your body and it won't stimulate insulin, so it's very, very important. Another tip is start grounding a lot. So a lot of people call it hocus-pocus, but there are studies out there and it shows, you know, we're no different than a battery. So when your shift is done and if it's summertime or springtime, there's no excuses, it's not cold outside because maybe you're getting off at 6 a.m., spend 15 minutes or 20 minutes before you go to bed barefoot you know on your grass or wherever you are and I guarantee you your sleep is going to be deeper and better and if you don't believe me Google it there are studies out there and it's fascinating very very fascinating field of research so those are Simple tips that I think are the most bang for the buck. Uh, there are more spe- specific ones when you go like lab testing to see how your adrenal glands are working, or organic acid testing to see how your mitochondria is working or certain stool testing, but that's really on an, an individual base. So, you know, blue light glasses, you know, high-fat diet, ground when you're done your shift work, and like we mentioned earlier, make sure your room is pitch black. Yeah.
0: So again. You said high-fat diet, Correct.
1: Yeah, more or less like a ketogenic diet during your shift.
0: People are so uh, fat-phobic now that the high fat is really coming in. Um, With sleep, there's an optimal time to sleep, an hour to get to sleep in the summer and an hour to get to sleep in the winter. And kind of added on to that question, what are the optimal hours to sleep, uh, sleep times when it comes to just replenishing your adrenals?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Uh so obviously you want to get more sleep in the winter time and less sleep in the summertime because of the light exposure, but we do live in a modern society and it's kinda of tough to tell somebody, Hey, Darren, get to bed at uh, you know, four forty five because the sun went down, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. what what I found and what really works, you know, through my practice and talking to other practitioners and doctors and as well looking at studies is ten PM is a good cutoff point. So if you can get to bed by ten PM that's in the green safe zone. Anything past 10 p.m., you're in the red zone. So it's going to really affect your sleep. There shouldn't be any excuses unless you are a shift worker to get to bed at 10. I do a lot of sleep seminars around and actually have surveyed more than, probably like 5,000 people now, Mm -hmm. about their sleeping pattern. I asked them this question. I'm like, you know, you say you're too busy to go to bed for 10 p.m. That's usually their response. I'm like, okay, fair enough. I want to know what you're too busy doing. Like, tell me, please, please, uh, enlighten me on why you're so busy at 10 p.m. And this is the response again. They pause. Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Let me figure that out. 99.999% of the time, guess what they say? Oh, yeah, I'm probably on my Facebook or my phone or some TV. That's not busy. (laughs) What are you talking about? not busy at all. You put your kids to bed already around 8 o'clock or something like that. Not busy, right? So you have no excuses. So stop being not busy and really respect yourself. It all starts with you at the beginning. Respect yourself and give yourself the care that you deserve and shut off the electronics and get to bed.
0: Yeah. Can we stay up a little bit later in the summertime?
1: Yeah, we can actually. So yes and no depends on your health situation. Like if you're chronic fatigue, if your adrenal glands aren't functioning properly, I would really recommend that you're consistent. Our body likes consistency. Mm-hmm. So I recommend 10 p.m. still. But if you have a, you know, good sleeping schedule, I wouldn't still recommend every day you go to sleep at midnight during the summertime. I would still say keep it at 10 p.m. as much as you can. But, you know, summertime is more outdoors, nighttime gatherings, etc. This is where you can have a little bit more luxury and stay up a little bit later, but don't make it at every night thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um... Quick uh, question for you with regards to uh, melatonin. You, you mentioned uh, early in the podcast, and before I do that, sorry, Amir. Uh If anybody has a question, you can dial in, 646-716-9371. We're just about halfway through the show now, so if you have a question, make sure that you dial in. And I have some questions from people who actually put the questions in the Facebook event uh, I posted, so I'll ask those on the air here. But um, getting back to the question with the melatonin, you mentioned supplementing with melatonin. Is that a good thing? Or a bad thing, and when should it be should should it be used?
1: Ninety percent of the time, it's a bad thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and I and I'll talk about it again. It's your pineal gland. Okay, rewind. Seventy percent of your melatonin is created in your gut. Through bacteria it goes up to your pineal gland your pineal gland also releases about 30 percent and your pineal gland is controlled by the exposure of sunlight okay now I said earlier that your pineal gland releases melatonin about three and a half hours before true sunset total darkness okay the problem is we're taking unnatural physiological dosages in fact funny you ask that question I just got a study from a good friend Dr. Jack Cruz about melatonin its dangerous for conclusion I will just read it out Oral melatonin appears to reach the eye through circulation. When it's administered at the time of day, when it's not usually present, okay? So at high doses, your melatonin is not present one hour before bed. It's present before sleep in very, very low dosages. So I continue. Melatonin appears to reduce the input to the retinal cones. We believe that the impact of external melatonin or retinal function should be taken into consideration without supervision. Okay? And there's many studies showing this as well. So the external melatonin that you're taking on, and on average, most people are taking melatonin 3 gra- three milligrams to like 12 milligrams one hour before bed. That is a crazy unphysiological amount going into your bloodstream. And that's destroying that circadian rhythm in your body, right? So that super nucleus, that master computer in your brain, is like, what the heck is this? I don't know what's going on, right? So that's why I'm not a big fan of it. There's only like... 10% population out there that I may use melatonin, but that's like sublingual and I'm timing it with the sunset. So they're taking it three hours before bed. I than not your environment is more important, you know, much more important than melatonin. So if you have to rely on melatonin, then there's some big problems. You have to ask yourself, what's my light exposure? A, am I getting enough light during the day? Am I moving enough during the day? B, am I uh, limiting my light exposure at nighttime, right? C, Am I eating too close to bedtime? You know, you shouldn't be eating then going to sleep, so give yourself a two-hour cutoff window. These are very important questions that you first have to address before jumping on this whole melatonin bandwagon.
0: Yeah. Is there a specific uh, supplement you use uh, as far as melatonin? you use which are you know,
1: uh, like high, of magnesium it reduces the NMDA receptors and it helps GABA as well so magnesium baths are great magnesium glycinate is really good uh, taking st. John's wort to stimulate serotonin which then goes to melatonin is really good so that's a natural herb I like to take during breakfast time if you're in the winter area and you don't like you know quick 10 maybe 10 minutes a week you can supplement with uh, emulsified vitamin D, so around 10,000 10, IU's at breakfast. What else is really good is a lot of people have high uh, cortisol at nighttime, so we like to use phosphatidylserine. It's a fat that actually reduces cortisol. So these are simple things that people can take into consideration. But I want to state again, your environment is much more important than taking any supplement.
0: Yeah, you and that magnesium bath. That's just Epsom salt in your bath. I grew up in South Carolina, and my grandmother made us use Epsom salt for just about everything, so many people might not be familiar with that, but that's how I grew up. Um, let's get into hormones, and then I'm going to ask some of the questions out of the Facebook uh, Facebook event. Uh, when it comes to cortisol, can you kind of explain the role of cortisol? And Probably about a year ago, I read T.S. Wiley's book about Lights Out Sleep Sugar Survival, and she explained in that book about the role of insulin and in actually regulating your blood sugar when it comes to sleep. Can you kind of get into those two things. And then if I, I'll have, probably have to remind you, Amir, but uh, this is a loaded question. And just the way, how do you test cortisol levels? Maybe you probably want to attack that first and then get into the other things.
1: Yeah, so cortisol levels, I like to do adrenal stress index profile. So just a couple labs out there. I'm not going to name any labs, but you pretty much spit in a tube four times throughout the day. We collect your saliva. Then within that saliva, we're going to see the rhythm of your cortisol in conjunction to your other master hormones. So we'll measure your cortisol, your DHEA, uh, you know, uh, pregnenolone, estrogen, testosterone, and melatonin. Now, why it's important to take four readings is we want to see the rhythm. A lot of doctors take blood draw cortisol and only do one reading. Well, that's not a rhythm, right? So a lot of people who have sleep issues, they have something called the inverted circadian rhythm. So a natural rhythm should look like kind of like a rainbow, right? You have nice high cortisol in the morning and slowly throughout the day it kind of decreases in the nighttime. It not doesn't turn off completely, but it's at the lowest levels then when people have sleep problems, they kind of have an inverted pattern. So this is where like this whole umbrella term, adrenal fatigue, which doesn't really exist, it's just really a good term to use so people can grasp what we're talking about, is instead of having nice high adrenal uh, cortisol throughout the day, they have the opposite. They wake up and hit the snooze, and hit the snooze, and hit the snooze, coffee, 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 sugar, 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 and the cortisol is literally depleted because your adrenal glands are suffering from say lack of nutrition maybe a viral infection dysbiosis or just having a bad sleeping pattern it's a vicious cycle and then you know the cortisol then start rising at nighttime because they have an inverted pattern so it's really important to identify who you are and based on this information we can figure out well you know darren has an inverted pattern these herbs will be best for you or timing of these foods will be good for you oh wow you know that that rhythm at nighttime can may indicate you have you know dysbiosis or parasites or histamine issues right there's so many different variables when it comes to but for such a low-cost test i think the test is like 180 bucks or something like that Mm -hmm. it, it gives you so much information like i think everyone at one point in their life should take one yeah
0: yeah um question for you, and this question actually comes from Gina. Um, It's kind of a loaded question. I'll see if I can read this, but she says, "I, I have serious problems sleeping. My mind will not shut off, and I think people out there listening have the same problem, and sometimes my mind does that. I have been taking five milligrams of Xanax. It seems to help, but not always, and the longer I take it, the less effective it works. Sex always helps me relax, but again, I will not fall asleep until the wee hours of the morning. I would rather just sleep, I would rather just fall asleep naturally but is this just me naturally? Uh, I'd rather just fall asleep naturally, but is this just me naturally? That's what she said. I don't know what that means. But if I don't take the Xanax, I will not fall asleep until 5 or 6 a.m. What's your take on that?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So she has a classic inverted, uh, you know, cortisol rhythm. Now, everything we've been talking about in this podcast so far, I want her to do. I want her to get light during the day. I want her to move around. I want you to limit your light exposure. So if you want to get to bed at 10 p.m., 8 o'clock, no lights, okay? Your last dinner, which is going to be a low-carb dinner, so you're going to have nice quality fats. So if you want to have coconut oil, avocado, steak, organ meats, or good vegetables, right? No carbs at nighttime. So you don't want to stimulate any insulin or cortisol at nighttime. And then draw yourself a nice Epsom salt bath, right? So five, six cups. Give yourself a lot of bath. Even add some baking soda in there, you know, uh, red bomb meals, organic one without the aluminum. That actually uh, creates a better um, delivery method for the magnesium to get into your red blood cells, right? So that's really important. Get your room in a pitch black state. No joke. Like I'm talking about bat cave type of state. Get your room to be cold. uh, Maybe supplement with phosphatidylserine at nighttime and maybe take... Uh, magnesium citrate, as well as an Epsom salt bath at nighttime. Try this out. There's many different options right there, but start with one. You know, I would always recommend start with one. Don't do everything at once. See how you react, and add add a different recommendation every day. So if you start fresh on Monday, by the time you're on Friday, you've added everything into the regimen, and I guarantee you your sleep will get better.
0: Yeah, is it fair to say that uh, people that having sleep problems are also uh, insulin, have insulin sensitivity? Oh, guaranteed. Yeah, yeah, and that's why why you're suggesting coconut oil and avocado, just things to kind of keep that insulin kind of level there. Um, When it comes to cortisol levels and it comes to other hormones, are there any other hormones that are out there that uh, have anything to do with sleep? I know, for instance, like progesterone, uh, there's some things, pregnenolone, What other hormones are involved with that? Also insulin, insulin is a hormone, but what uh, are progesterone? How is that related to sleep?
1: Well, they're all interrelated. There's no such Uh thing as, you know, one hormone does one thing. They're all running a domino negative feedback loop. When one is low, the other ones are affected. When one is high, the other ones are affected. When your chronological circadian clock in your body is not running appropriately, all hormones are affected, right? So to answer that question, every hormone in your body affects your sleep. It's simple as that. Cool. Cool. There's no such thing as just focusing on there's no let me remind, there's no such thing as focusing on one hormone to make your sleep better. It doesn't you work that to. way. It's first focusing on the whole body. That's the whole point. Your body is a quantum creature. Everything's interconnected. So you have to look at it as Jack, Dr. Jack Cruz talks about. You got to look at it from a a thirty thousand foot view, like a bird, and see you know where the missing pieces are, what's going on. That's super super important.
0: Yeah, yeah. Quick quick question. Another question for you. Um, snoring. How does snoring affect yeah. quality?
1: oxygen to the brain. So a lot of people are suffering from sleep apnea, which is a really tricky tricky world because some people get sleep apnea from being heavy and then once they lose the weight, they don't have it anymore. Others don't aren't that lucky, and some people who are skinny have sleep apnea now. There's no conclusive study showing, "Oh, yeah, that's what causes sleep apnea." No. But snoring, sleep apnea pretty much decreases the oxygen to your brain which is a big no-no so that's the most dangerous thing about snoring and not yeah. to mention if you have a partner it's quite annoying the person can't sleep <laughs> yeah you're
0: right i had that problem when i gained a lot of weight uh, a couple of years ago i had that problem I would wake myself up snoring is there any because natural-
1: cause you have no oxygen you have no oxygen to your brain that's why you woke up
0: yeah but is there um anything out there for sleep apnea I know I, I had a friend who had an operation for that but is there anything yeah, the now
1: operation there's there I'll, I'll look into something called a sleep magneto pad you know it's kind of pricey a couple of thousand dollars but huh. you know people are raving about it the science is there the science is old. It's from the 1930s nothing new it's just that people don't know about it and you know google it there's only one website I won't name the names but you know sleep magnetopad, you can find out there um, what else you can do there's certain strips some people like actually do to you know put up their nasal passageways you know nettle pots some people do nettle pots at nighttime before they go to sleep but out of everything check that sleep magneto pad and i think that holds a lot of prom- promise to people yeah
0: yeah what about um i've seen this thing on tv i can't remember the thing it's some kind of mouthpiece or something like that it actually opens up the pathway have you ever heard of that I difference. have. I,
1: won't, I don't know too much about it. I've heard of it. I've really studied oh. about it. But anything, if it's comfortable and it opens up the nasal pathways, I don't see why not. It's not beneficial.
0: Cool, cool. All right. Question from uh, Sheila. Sheila Hansen has a question. She says she is post, a postmenopausal woman and has a hard time with sleep. And she says she'd never had a problem with it before. She said, she's asking, is it hormone related?
1: Yeah, so once again, it's going to go back to, yeah, so after post, uh, you know, postmenopausal, you're going to have cortisol issues, DHEA issues for sure, that's being drained, vitamin D issues, which also control circadian clocks, magnesium, which also controls circadian clocks, so they're all intertied together. Uh, I would definitely get an ASI, find a practitioner or someone that does FDN or functional medicine or whatever and get an a- ASI figured out, get your hormones tested as well. Once again, going back, what are you doing with your environment? What are you doing with your food? What are you doing with movement? So, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, exercising, you know, one hour a day, then they go sit down for the rest of the day. That doesn't cut it. I'm sorry. So always move or get a standing desk or have a timer at your computer that you get up every hour and you'll be surprised and shocked how much more deep sleep you have. And I always give this analogy. Just think about this. If you ever gone hiking for three, four hours, how do you sleep that night? You sleep like a baby because mm-hmm. you've accumulated enough sleep pressure proteins, right? So this is really important. Instead of, like, looking at everything, oh, what about pregnenolone or what about testosterone, you've got to look at the bigger picture and attack everything from all different points of views. Wow, yeah, sounds good.
0: What other tips can you give us as far as sleep? Um, Is there anything we should be eating for breakfast? Is there anything we should be eating for lunch? How should we change our diets to just make sure that we optimize uh, our sleep?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Breakfast should be, for the most part, uh, a big breakfast, high-quality fats, good proteins, maybe a little bit of carbs if you want, uh, like some sweet potatoes, yams, wild rice. Uh, Sometimes people eat quinoa if you soak it. but. Mm Breakfast should not be a shake, and then you're hungry in two hours. That's a big problem. If you eat food and you're hungry in two hours, you've got hypoglycemia. Okay, I'm the first one to say that right now. You've got hypoglycemia. That is not normal. To be eating every two hours, that is ridiculous, okay? So, how do you rebalance your master hormones? How do you make a healthy circadian rhythm? Eat a big breakfast. When you eat this breakfast, you should not be hungry in two hours. You should go a minimum of four hours without even thinking about food. So how does this big breakfast look like? Well, don't think of breakfast as breakfast. Breakfast is any meal you want it to be. For example, my breakfast today was a roast. I had a beautiful grass-fed roast with onions, with, with uh, broccoli, and a lot of fermented uh, sauerkraut with it. And I had a lot of it. And that satiated me for eight hours straight. So always start your day with quality protein, quality fat, great vegetables, and if you want to add a little bit of carbs or, like, nice berries, by all means, add that. But that should be your breakfast, and that's going to help you rebalance your circadian rhythm with hormones.
0: Yeah. I mean, and people go and grab a, a bagel or something like that. I and people, Some people can live off of... Um, These shakes, you mentioned shakes. If I eat a shake or drink a shake, it's just like, man, give me some more food. I can't do shakes. It just doesn't work for me. Those meal replacement shakes, I have to have good, uh, solid food in my body. Um, Another question for me, this comes from Keisha, and she says she works. I'm actually reading this off of my phone. She said she works with clients, and she said many of her clients are incarcerated. They have a difficult time falling asleep. Uh, between the noise, the fear, and the anxiety of their pending case and family woes, woes they don't get adequate, uh, adequate rest. Can you kind of maybe give us some tips to pass along to her clients?
1: I mean, yeah, to yeah. the
0: people that she's working with.
1: I have some experience with that myself. You know, before I went to jail and everything, I was stressed out like crazy. I knew I was going to jail. There was no ifs or buts, and I was kind of on a self-sabotage uh, <laughs> road. I was just destroying myself, and it's hard to sleep. Um, this is where diet uh, does help, but it's hard. Um, being around good people, honest to God, um, surrounding yourself with positive people and, so, and people they can just talk to on a human-to-human level, uh, that's, that's the best tip I can give. Uh, it, it's hard to say to somebody, you know, by the way, you know, you may lose $50,000, you may go to jail for like a year. Like, to tell that person, sorry, that's the last thing on their mind. It's not gonna happen, I'm sorry, not at all. Uh, but small things are like, you know, maybe t- this is where that 10% population will come in. Maybe taking some melatonin would help them out, you know, three hours, like the time-release one. Or maybe telling them to do a bath at nighttime would help. But at the end of the day, surrounding yourself with more positive people is the greatest tip I can give them.
0: Yeah, it's a hard thing to do, man, in prison. <laughs> There's not a lot of positivity it's, it, it, there. It, the
1: prison, yeah, it's, it's tough. Yeah, yeah it's, it's yeah. tough. It's not tough. It's like politics. Like if you, It's like anything in life. What's tougher is what you don't the it's going into their first because if you've never been there before you're like oh what, what the hell am i expecting right that's the mm-hmm. tough part and the whole the poor system in north america is such a mafia system it's so corrupt they literally suck the soul out of you it's crazy yeah
0: uh, um last question for you then i'm gonna let you go and appreciate you coming on the show uh and this is kind of a, you can kind of expand on this, this question. Can you really be healthy if you don't get enough sleep?
1: Do you want me to be honest?
0: <laughs> be per, Be perfectly, you know, because sometimes I will listen to people that are successful. Like I remember uh, at one point I was just so crazy when I was younger about being in the music business and I would listen to people like uh, Puff Daddy and Suge Knight and they were like, oh, I only sleep three hours. I only sleep four hours. And so it's like, okay, you know, you have this saying, you hear people like Jay-Z, like, you can sleep when you're dead or something like that. So, well,
1: that's that's what happens to them. You'll see. They're going to come back with type 2 diabetes or insulin resistance, guaranteed, if not already at the current moment.
0: Yeah, and i mean, no, going to ask The
1: question It's uh, sorry, it's pretty much, no, like, you have to sleep. There's no ifs or buts. Right? Your body repairs during sleep. So if you think you can get by on four or five hours, which I was one of those people, oh, yeah, I only need four or five hours. I'm going to burst your bubble. No way, Jose. You may feel good. You may, you may think you perform well. But let me tell you, when you start hitting 40, I'm not even 40, I'm only 28. But when you start mm-hmm. hitting 40 and 50, your body's going to hit a brick wall and just collapse, if not before that. So don't think for a second that you can get by on four or five hours of sleep.
0: Yeah, I'm 43, and um, I actually have one more question for you. But I'm 43, and if I don't go really to get to bed at 10 o'clock, I'm like, I feel like a zombie the next day. Uh, last question, and this is actually the last question. I'll keep it again. Sometimes I don't stay up that late, but I'm very big into boxing. I love boxing, and you know most of the time those fights come on. They have uh the other events, the undercard, and they have the main event. So you end up staying up to 12 or 1 o'clock. And sometimes I will go to my friend's house um, if he has the fight on pay-per-view, and then I'm driving home at 12, 1 o'clock, and it's like, I am so freaking hungry. What is it <laughs> about <laughs> What is it about staying up late and being hungry? And it's always as if I want to grab um, carbs, like I want to get potato chips. Or Lord, I'll tell you plant- right now,
1: this is potatoes. simple, simple answer. One, you have... Okay, so first, let's talk about a study they did. They took participants who are sleep-deprived and they measured their saliva for the enzyme called amylase. Amylase is responsible to digest carbs and sugars, okay? Now, after just two days of sleep deprivation, they found that the amylase enzyme inside your saliva was twice the amount. Just pause for a second and think about that. So if you have lack of sleep, you have more of this sugar enzyme in your saliva, therefore you're craving more sugary foods. Okay, why are you craving sugary foods is a question. This is the answer. Your body is trying to figure out a way to induce sleep. How do you induce sleep? It's called hypoglycemia. So your body wants to have a sugar crash. So you're craving sugary foods at nighttime. You're eating all the sugary foods. You have a huge insulin spike. Then all of a sudden, the insulin crashes and puts you to bed. It's an old ancient pathway. I think maybe it's like a backup protective system that your body's trying to put you into hibernation mode.
0: Yeah, and I only do that. If I go out to a fight, I go to my buddy's house. And I stay out, and I'm driving back home. It's like, man, I've got to stop at 7-Eleven. I need some potato chips. <laughs> so, I But this, only, is and I this is
1: where those glasses, the glasses will help you out, like, tremendously. Get yourself a pair of glasses. You uh-huh. know, watch, watch the event, because I stay up for MMA fights over here, too. So, you know, wear the glasses during the HBO event, and wear them while you're driving back home, and I guarantee you're going to notice a difference. Oh, huh.
0: I'll have to try that. I'll have to try that yeah man so that's the all, all the questions i have for you i got to the uh, people that wanted to participate questions as well uh amir give us your website and a way to contact you if people have more questions on sleep
1: yeah yeah so my website is amir com. that's dot ccom and to contact me you can just do my contact form right there and that's the easiest way
0: Cool. Amir, man, thank you for being on the show. hope to have you back, man. I know that you have your book. I actually haven't read your book yet. Um, I have you on deck. I actually got to finish uh, Sarah Godfrey's book and go through this gluten book. But um, I have you on deck, and I'll be reading that. And I'd love for you to come back on and just discuss more about functional medicine at some point, man. Uh,
1: it would be my pleasure.
0: All right, man. Thank you All so much right,
1: again. And I will uh, talk
0: to you soon, man. All right, so next week, again, thank you for listening to Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio, and next week we will have Victoria Taylor from the TheModernMonkLife.com, and then the end of the month will be Dr. Curtis Duncan, and we'll be talking about fibroids, endometriosis, and also man boobs. So um, stay tuned for that. If you want to get in touch with me, you have a question or a suggestion for the show, you can get in contact with me. My uh, email address is Darren, that's my first name, D-A-R-R-E-N, at fat. Dash mancom So don't forget the dash in there. And that's not an underscore. Uh, that's a dash. So Fat-Man.com. So again, thank you for listening. Peace out. And I will see you on the next episode. Thanks.